Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. This song is called Icebox by Omarion. Better known as Oh My God, I Can't Believe This Is Music. <laughs> Good job, Will. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what a treat to be here with you, dealing with these terrible technical problems here at ESPN. This uh, just every Saturday seems like it's something else, but somehow you're with spit and chewing gum putting this thing together, so I appreciate it. My guest at 815 is going to talk about ice cream, the nuances Ingredients, sure, make a huge difference. The recipes, sure, make a difference. Borrowing recipes from some other ice cream places, using different kinds of ingredient ingredients, sampling, get it. But also the nuances of the miracle of water. The liquid, that as you use that invisible concept of temperature, change liquid into slush creaminess but if you go too far too cold you get ice crystals and then you don't want to eat that ice cream so it is a tricky situation to make ice cream and we're going to learn about it at eight fifteen. but it made me think all week about the worlds that i love of surgery using liquid nitrogen to kill bone tumors in bone called cryosurgery I was lucky enough to learn all about this operating at Sloan Kettering, a big cancer hospital in New York, with the man who invented it, Ralph Markov. But my love of art, I thought of ice. ice. I could talk about George Gervin, the Iceman. I get it. I wanted to talk about the ice bowl in sports and what happened, backfired for the Green Bay Packers that made a mess out of the field. And in art, I wanted to talk about this guy. This song is so great about ice, it has the word ice twice in the name. This is Ice Ice Baby. Robert Van Winkle. Now that the party is jumping, with the bass kicking in and the fingers are pumping, with hip hop, he breakdanced, and at age 16, he heard this song. David Bowie, Freddie Mercury, Queen. It's called Under Pressure. But Robert Van Winkle heard this song as a kid. And while he's breakdancing and falling further in love with hip hop, falls in love with this beat. And at 16 years old, sits down and writes, Ice Ice Baby. He is a trailblazer, Robert Van Winkle, Vanilla Ice. Because in those days, the late 80s, early 90s, a tall, skinny white guy from Texas better not try and sing, sing hip-hop. But he did. And his song was embraced. It was embraced so much, he sold 5 million records. He became the hottest thing in music. And typically what happens when young people get that much success so quickly becomes a mess. But I'm happy to say in his 50s now, he has resurrected his life beautifully and learned from it and embraced what he did before. But the whole name, Vanilla Ice, you got to be tough. you got to have ice in your veins if you're going to take on the music industry. You're going to take on the hip-hop industry. In the late 80s and early 90s, you cannot look like he does and be a hip-hop artist, but he did. And that hit, 
got attention. So he sits down with an interviewer who says, let's talk a little bit about that song that you stole from Queen. And he says, young lady, I didn't steal anything. You don't understand. That's what hip-hop is. You get inspired by other music. Let's just listen to the interview. Oh, it's not going to be a single out. No, next single is play that funky music. Yep, yep. It's already out in the United States. It's uh, 99.9% across the whole United States. Smash it, so. That's not the... the Play that funky music. Why, why? Yeah, but it's not the same. It's different. It's not the same. It's different. Then she says, well, what about Ice Ice Baby? You stole that one also. What about in in, um, Ice Ice Baby, used the Queen hook? And what's happened with that? Apparently they were suing you? No. I've heard it. All kinds of stories. Apparently they're suing you or or they're taking you to court for this and that. I've heard all kinds of stuff. No, it's no big deal. All it is is, you know, first of all, rap music, all they wanted was credit. All they wanted was credit, and that's all we gave them, you know. Sample by David Bowie and Queen. It's no big deal. And now he explains, young lady, you need to understand how the hip-hop business works. We take these beats, but then we make them our own. Rap music is sampling. And people who don't understand rap music, they say, well, he borrows this or steals this. Rap music, every major rap artist in the world samples music, you know. And that's all I did is sample it. If my record 10 years from now went number one, I would say, yo, give me a piece of that, you know. That's all, I mean, and I don't blame them at all. And uh, especially if it sells 5 million copies. That's exactly right. That's what Vanilla Ice is explaining. Sampling. Just like you want to sample as many flavors as you can when you make an ice cream. Vanilla Ice and ice cream. There's your connection. Ingredients. Recipes. What about in the world of sports? Well, when you play in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in Lambeau Field in the wintertime, you talk about ice, it gets cold. One of my bucket lists, which I accomplished, was going to see the Detroit Lions play the Green Bay Packers in December. And I did it with my wife. God bless her. Bundled her up because I wanted to see what it was like to tailgate and go to the game in Lambeau Field. And it was awesome. Well, in 1967, the NFC Championship game, just like what the Rams did in beating the 49ers last Sunday, in 1967, they played it in Lambeau Field. You talk about the topic ice. It was minus 38 degrees. The coach, Vince Lombardi, going for his third championship, which no one had ever done before, said, I don't want to have to deal with the snow. I want us to have an advantage. We're not going to play in Dallas. We're going to play in Wisconsin. It'll be cold, but I want the field to be clean. So he invested a fortune in an electric blanket underneath the grass. The only problem, Vince Lombardi's a football coach. He's not a chemist. He's not a mechanical engineer. He doesn't understand the nuance of water becoming ice. (laughs) You freeze water, it becomes an ice skating rink. Your blanket actually made a bigger mess than plain in snow would have been. Listen to the story and hear the voice of the great Vince Lombardi. Ice in the world of sports. Coach Lombardi invested a great sum of money out on the electric coils that went underneath Lambeau Field. They were designed to keep the field from freezing, obviously, and it was a new concept. He said, let me tell you what we did to this field. He's got this city of wires underneath the turf. Throw the switch. Everything's going to melt. We're going to be fine. The field's going to be in good condition. That was Lombardi's baby, and he just loved to show people the this control panel downstairs. It looked like the you know something you'd see in a submarine, or there were all these handles and valves and cranks and all this stuff. We're all in there, and the lights are blinking. He's a mad scientist. He doesn't know a damn thing about it, and it says field electrified. <laughs> He's a control freak, but even Vince Lombardi can't control the weather. This is my pride and joy out here. This field here. Let's not cut it up. <laughs> Lombardi was the world's greatest control freak. There's no question about that. 
But the one thing he couldn't control was weather. As the sun rose on game day, Lombardi had become as helpless as the ground beneath him. The field, it had been covered the night before. The heat was coming up through the ground and bringing the moisture with it. And as they peeled the tarp off, the field was damp. The field was damp. Guess what happens when damp, which is water, meets 38 degrees below zero? It doesn't become snow. It becomes an ice skating rink. And it was fairly soft, but as the cold worked on it, it started to freeze. And you could just see the field turning color, starting in the north end zone and going to the south. All of a sudden we think, oh my God, Coach Lombardi's field is frozen. Finally, they turned to Chuck Lane and said, Chuck, you better go and tell Coach. I'd probably been better off telling him that Marie was running around on him. I mean, he was just livid. Not because of the players playing on ice. He looked bad. Now listen to Jerry Kramer tell you what it was like, and he says it exactly. It was like playing on an ice skating rink. The stage was set for a game that even before kickoff had earned its nickname, the Ice Bowl. The field grew worse as the game wore on. And it was a skating rink more than a football field. The Packers took a 14 to nothing lead. And then as windchill temperatures reached minus 38 degrees, their offense froze. Footing was so bad and the hands were so cold and the receivers catching the ball was difficult. So one score could make a big difference. And they started moving. Flips the pass. It's complete. It's Chuck Brasini. He's at the 25, the 20, down to the 15, and out of bounds at about the 11 yard line. There's a minute and 11 seconds remaining in this game. In the most adverse conditions they had ever faced, the Packers moved down the field in nine plays and into position to score a game winning touchdown. Actually, uh, I was looking for a suggestion from Jerry Kramer and Forrest Gregg as to what particular type of play and what kind of blocking uh, that we should uh, particularly run in that area. Mm, that's Vince Lombardi. What kind of play? Ice skating rink. That's the kind of play. Even block it. The players spotted a weakness in Dallas defensive lineman Jethro Pugh. They said, we can wedge Pugh if we have to. He goes, what? I said, I'm, 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 we can wedge Pew if we have to. That's right. I didn't cut Pew off. Pew goes down easy. I mean, even, so he can get on the middle. Even, right. yeah. Right. It's, a, it's a give and take. I'm not the, I'm not the complete autocrat here, do you see, uh, as everybody thinks. <laughs> he listened to his players. He listened to Bart Starr, as you're going to hear in a second. He listened to Jerry Kramer because you don't have many options when you're playing on an ice skating rink. Don't even try to run that ball. The Packers had identified their target, but the real enemy was the ice. So we call the play twice. The backs were slipping and sliding and couldn't get back to the line of scrimmage. The handoff goes to Donnie Anderson. He's not in. The Packers call time again. And then we take our final time out. And Bart asked me if I could make a block. Can you get your footing for one more wedge play? Yeah, I, I, I can. I think so. So instead of running, the genius of Bart Starr, the quarterback, was, I'm just going to do a quarterback sneak a la Joe Burrow. So I ran to the sideline, got over there, and I said, Coach, there's nothing wrong with the play. I said, the backs simply can't get to the line of scrimmage because the ground is so hard there. I said, I'm standing upright. I can shuffle my feet and lunge in. All he said at that time was, well, then run it, and let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> and I'm laughing like I am now, going back to the huddle. And I'm trying. I'm not letting anybody see me laughing because it just broke me up. That was his. Oh, my God. On third down with 16 seconds to go, Lombardi gambled everything on one last play. Landry would have called a rollout. And a lot of people would have called a rollout. Watch that star now. Come on. Grab him if he fakes it. Lombardi wanted to run the wedge play. If you can't gain a yard, you don't deserve to be champions. Here are the Packers. Third down. Inches to go. To Vader. Star begins the count. 
The moral of the story is when you got to work with ice, you need commitment, discipline, perseverance, preparation, consistency, intensity. Whether you're making ice cream or you're trying to win a football game or you're trying to break into hip-hop, you need those elements. This is Jerry Kramer saying those elements are Vince Lombardi. My perspective on the last drive in the ice ball is that that is the culmination of everything Lombardi and his Packers had been preparing for for all of those nine years together. We got a little commitment, a little discipline, a little perseverance, a little preparation, a little consistency, a little intensity. We reached down. We got a little bit of Lombard. You need to have ice in your veins. You want to make a difference in life, make a success of yourself, learn from ice. Learn from vanilla ice, from Vince Lombardi, from Kobe Bryant, from Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford. And coming up next, we're going to learn from someone who actually really does work with ice. Handles ice cream, Redondo Beach. Can't wait to talk to Q. Coming up next here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. It may be Saturday, but this song is Friday from Ice Cube. Thank you, Will. Another hip-hop education in my life. Joining me now is one of my favorite guests because she runs my favorite ice cream store in L.A. Q, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you getting up early. Hi, thanks for having me. So, I want you to hear... What Vince Lombardi's favorite football player said about the 1967 Ice Bowl of what it took to win that game and what you need to deal with ice. That's a skating rink for a football field. But it made me think of what your business must be like to run. He uses the word commitment, discipline, perseverance, preparation, consistency, intensity let's listen to jerry kramer talk about playing in the ice and i want to hear what you think about it my perspective on the last drive in the ice ball is that that is the culmination of everything lombardi and his packers had been preparing for for all of those nine years together we got a little commitment a little discipline a little perseverance a little preparation a little consistency, a little intensity. We reached down. We got a little bit of Lombardi. Got a little bit of Lombardi. How does that sound oh, yeah. for running an ice cream store? Do you need a little bit of commitment, perseverance? Tell me what you think about that. Right. Okay. So my husband works seven days a week. Wow. We make the ice cream fresh every single day, 50 flavors. Wow. And we've been doing this for almost 12 years. Wow. Yep. I want you to teach me a little bit about the the balancing act that you probably have to deal with here, your husband has to deal with every day, which is the difference between creaminess and cold not warm, but if you go too far, the ingredients themselves can become icicles, and then it doesn't take. What's it like to deal with the freezers and the temperatures, the technical aspects of running an ice cream store? Well, everything has to be monitored daily and kept at certain temperatures. 
The ingredients that go into the ice cream are kept in a walk-in cooler, and that's necessary to have them cooler when we're putting them into the ice cream mm. because everything is added fresh daily. Mm. Like if the ice cream is being made and, and it's coming out, that's when we add our ingredients. And how do you maintain this? Do you have someone who checks your freezers to make sure that they're running and anticipate problems? Because I can only imagine if if the electricity goes out, your business is over. That's our biggest nightmare. We've had numerous occasions where the electric company is doing maintenance. And um, I've had to hire refrigerated trucks to put everything in so that we can preserve it. And one time the truck actually failed, oh. so we lost everything. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, it's a constant concern of ours, you know, as far as that. But my husband checks the, you know, refrigerators and coolers daily to make sure everything's perfect. And um, our ice cream doesn't have um, a lot of water like other ice creams, mm. which is why you'll never see usually crystals in our ice cream if you put it in the freezer. Interesting. You know. Well, yeah. you could have helped Vince Lombardi out with that because he made that error. Of, of trading snow for water, which then froze. I want to talk to you a little bit about my other example, which is Vanilla Ice explaining to this young interviewer that you're not stealing a recipe. You're not stealing a flavor. You're in the ice cream business. You're allowed to have your own version of chocolate, your own version, and it's called sampling, right? That's what he's teaching this girl. Listen to this. I want to hear what you think about this okay. as it relates to the ice cream business. Rap okay. music is sampling. And people who don't understand rap music, they say, well, he borrows this or steals this. Rap music, every major rap artist in the world samples music, you know? And that's all I did is sample it. If my record 10 years from now went number one, I would say, yo, give me a piece of that, you know? That's all, I mean, and I don't blame them at all. And uh, especially if it sells 5 million copies. You sampling, aren't you, Q? Nope, nope. Handles was started in 1945 by Alice Handles in Youngstown, Ohio. And Lenny Fisher bought, bought everything from her in about 1986. Mm -hmm. So all of our flavors are created by Handles. Wow. And, and they're, you know, if we have an idea for an ice cream, we could submit it and then it gets approved mm -hmm. or not approved. Um, but pretty much we're old fashioned ice cream. So a lot of our, flavors have been around for a long time mm. i just love the combinations that you put in where you you think about texture where you can taste the graham cracker not just flavor it who right. comes up with that idea i mean did you have you come up with any kind of variations in the texture not in the texture no uh -uh. we've every handles must follow the recipes mm. that are given to us but we have made some recipes at our location that we had approved, like Mary's Joy. Mm -hmm. That was made by Mary Bippo, who worked for us at the time. And it's like an Almond Joy ice cream. Oh, wow. So we got that approved. Oh, you know, my so there's, God. So they're, they're open to if we have an idea, we can submit it. And then they will test it and tell us if it's okay to go ahead. So Mary's Joy yeah. is an Almond Joy flavored ice cream? It's it's coconut ice cream with almonds and chocolate chips in it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll have to bring it next time I come. Oh, you better, because I will tell <laughs> yeah, you right yeah. now, you know, you in life, you work hard. You better be nice. You don't expect other people to be nice. to You You better be nice to yourself. So you know what my tradition is? After a 12-hour day in surgery, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm tired, but I'm good tired because it's just such a rewarding feeling. I treat myself to an Almond Joy chocolate bar as mm -hmm. I get into my car to drive home. So to think that you're actually making an ice cream that's an Almond uh, Joy. Oh, my God. That's my next flavor I got to try at your place. Oh, my God. Okay. I'll be bringing it to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So teach us a little bit about how did you and Paul decide to go into the Handel's ice cream business? Okay. Um, Paul was always a syndicator, meaning he sold TV shows for the different stations. And we, he was working at Warner Brothers, and we were friends with a guy named Gary Grandolf. And Gary's wife is from Youngstown, Ohio, and she used to be a weather girl there, Paula Lachetti Grandolf. So when Paul and I were trying to think of something else to do, 
um, they suggested, why don't you try a Handel's franchise? And there, then it became, became a reality. You know, oh, that's wow. how we started it off. You know, and we had never worked in this field at all. But Handel's it takes you for training. It's part of your franchise agreement. You know, so Paul went back to Ohio and spent time learning everything, how to make the ice cream. And, um, and we just lucked out at our location. Our location is at 1882 South Pacific Coast Highway mm-hmm. in Redondo Beach. Mm-hmm. And we have three major schools by us. Oh, wow. And I think that that really contributed to our success early on. I'll tell and, you, um, I'll tell you what contributes to your success is how delicious the ice cream is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, some of the surprises for us of being in business has been our relationships with our customers. Yeah. Um, as I told you, there's a woman named Arlene whose granddaughter reached out to us because her grandma um, had it on her bucket list to try all of our flavors. <laughs> And we helped her make that happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. She's lovely, lovely. So, yeah, that's been, the, you know, and at the time that we opened it, our young, our youngest son was going off to college, and everyone was concerned, especially for me. But guess what? I ended up with 22 more kids, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> with, the, with our customer, with our uh, staff, wow. you know. That's so it fantastic. ended up being a blessing. Yep. You never know in life, right? It's just... Yep. The worst day you think is going to happen turns out to be the best day of your life. One of my exactly. favorite foot and ankle surgeons at Cedars, Dr. Tim Charlton, lives in Redondo Beach. And mm-hmm. one day I'm in the operating room and I see him in the locker room. And I don't know, your name came up. We start talking about my favorite, you know, people ask me about food all the time. And I tell them, right. you know what, you live in Redondo. That's where my favorite ice cream place is. It's handles are. Sure enough, he goes there. Next thing you know, a few days later, I get a text with a photograph. There he is with his two little boys in the parking lot eating your ice cream. And uh, so if you'll ever need foot and ankle surgery, you've got a steady customer right now in Tim Charlton. I'll make sure that he tells everybody. You may have to come up with a flavor about foot and ankle surgery or something. I got a a name for it. The Agony of Defeat. That's what we'll call it. That's a great one. That so the challenge you talked a little bit about the electricity going out, but it's just so fascinating. So I want to ask you if this can happen. In my reading about the chemistry of ice, there is actually a difference between immediately freezing water to become a solid versus slowly lowering the temperature. It's a it's a different effect on the two hydrogens and oxygen that makes up water, that makes up the liquid. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in ice cream in terms of quickly changing temperature versus slowly uh, changing temperature? What are some of the technical issues that you have making your ice cream as creamy and as perfect as it is? Well, we have machines that we use that we make our ice cream with. And as soon as the ice cream is made, they're put in holding cabinets that we have to keep it in there overnight, and it slowly keeps it at the consistency it needs to be to serve it. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. And how about your favorite flavor? You got one? Oh, yeah. Same as yours, Chocoholic Chunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like your wife's, which is Graham Central Station. Oh, God, they're so good. My mouth is watering already just talking to you. This is incredible. <laughs> so tell me a little bit, uh, finally, about the t- the times of day. When is the right time to go where it's not as crowded? The weekends must be a madhouse. But what if you mm. want to go where you'll get the quickest connection, when would it be? Oh, boy. Um, well, Tuesday is our busiest day because we do a special, which is three buck Tuesday, wow. which that's when we sell our single serve for $3 all day long. So wow. it's a very busy day, but a lot of times the best times are probably maybe 12 to two. I'm going to say, because once school lets out, all the school kids come. And then sometimes there's a little leg, um, between maybe six and seven thirty at night because people are commuting home or getting dinner and then they're coming. But um, we also have DoorDash now where people can order on DoorDash, which that's really, I think, helped out a lot of people that we have that feature. Yes, because because of COVID. 
Have you ever yeah. had a day where you sold so much ice cream you sold out? We've sold out of certain flavors for sure. The more popular flavors, hmm. um, you know, wow. and, and we always try to have extras. But, yes, there have been days when it's been busier than we anticipated. And a few flavors may be out, but never all the flavors. And is it shocking to say that don't assume that the summertime is is more busy? Does it surprise you that you're busy all the time? Or is the summer more busy than the winter? Oh, no. No, there's other times. I have have security cameras where I can see our location. Mm -hmm. And I have actually taken pictures because it's amazed me. It could be pouring rain. 9.30 9.30 at night, and I will see people on our patio with their children with their golf umbrellas. Oh, my God. <laughs> and actually, the way it came to, to California the first time is a gentleman was visiting his father in Youngstown, Ohio, and there was two feet of snow. And he saw this line of people because most of our locations are walk-up, mm. not go-in. They're walk-up locations. And he said to his dad, what are all those people in line for? And his dad said, that's Handel's ice cream. So the guy said, you know, I have to try the ice cream. So they went and tried it, and he said, I'm bringing this. I'm going to open one in California. And he was our first location in Upland, wow. on Mountain in Upland. Oh, my God. I know. It is pretty amazing. You know, you could just feel the passion that you and your husband have for this product and uh-huh. it, uh, what do they say? You know, what's the secret ingredient? Love. You actually yeah. have it. But it doesn't yeah. hurt to have cows that are eating the best grass in Ohio that turn into the cream and the milk that you end up using because it is special. Keep doing what you're doing. And I can't I look forward to taking care of you. But I really look forward to the fact that people will now <laughs> hear this and you'll get even more customers to my favorite ice cream place in Los Angeles Handles Ice Cream in Redondo Beach. Q, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Oh, thank you. All right, see you soon. Okay, All right, that's the great Q from Handles Ice Cream. Coming up next, we'll do some clap revision. I want to explain what is up with that hamstring sprain in the great Anthony Davis. And I'll take your calls as well. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That song just will hook you in. Good job, Robert Van Winkle, better known as Vanilla Ice. Groundbreaking for him to be creating one of the most popular hip-hop songs in the late 80s, early 90s, a song he wrote when he was only 16 years old. His name may be Vanilla Ice, but he needed ice in his veins to fight for his success. It was not easy. Vanilla Ice, talking about it because I'm talking about ice cream, which I love, and handles in Redondo Beach. Let's do some clap revision now. Anthony Davis, sprained hamstring. And it makes a difference whether it's your right leg or your left leg because of leaping and landing while getting a rebound or dunking a ball. You don't really go up simultaneously with both legs. Just like you have a dominant eye. We really see out of only one of our eyes. The other eye is just for focus. You know which hand you take a pen to write your name. Upper extremity dominance. But believe it or not, there is a dominance to your lower extremity as well. So it makes a huge difference Is it your dominant leg or your non-dominant leg that you've got an injury? And in the case of Anthony Davis, it's his hamstring. Hamstring, one of the most fascinating muscles in our bodies. Why? Because it's a rare muscle that crosses not one joint to move it, but crosses two joints. Look at your elbow right now. Make a muscle. Flex your elbow. You're looking at your brachialis and your biceps brachialis muscles that flex your elbow. They're just moving your elbow. Your triceps muscle, look in the back. It's extending your elbow. One one muscle moving one joint, flex and extend it. But here's a rare muscle, the hamstring, that actually moves 
two joints. It crosses two joints because it starts off the back of your pelvis, the very bone that you're sitting on right now, and that bump that you're sitting on, the ischial tuberosity, that's where the origin of the biceps femoris muscle is, which becomes one of the hamstring muscles. So it goes from the midline of your body across the back of your butt, diagonally, not straight down, diagonally crosses the back of your femur, your thigh, and actually inserts on the little toe side of your knee, the back of the knee. But it doesn't insert at the end of the femur bone. It crosses the knee joint and inserts on the tibia. You're crossing the hip joint and you're crossing the knee joint. One muscle. Why is it called bi? Because bi means two, like a bicycle. Sep in Latin means head. This muscle has two heads. Your tricep has three heads. Your quadriceps has four heads. It's real easy. That's the name of these muscles of how many heads they have. So if I'm telling you one of the heads comes off the pelvis... You may want to ask, well, where's the second head come from? The short head of the bicep comes plastered from the back of the thigh bone, the femur. And it meets up with the muscle belly that's coming down from the back of the hip joint, from the pelvis. And they come together to now attach to the lateral side of your knee, but crossing the back of your knee. So if you're sitting right now and you need to get up, to stand, you need to fire the top half of your biceps muscle because that will extend your hip joint. You'll rise out of a seated position to stand up. But here's the problem. The lower half, which crosses the back of your knee, when it fires, it's going to flex your knee. You'll never get up from a seated position. How the hell can the same muscle extend your hip and flex your knee, and you get up out of a seated position. How is that possible? Because if the whole muscle contracts, you'll never straighten your knee. You're only going to flex your knee. You won't stand up. You talk about computers. You talk about the most incredible piece of machinery ever designed. It's not your iPhone. It's you. It's your body. It's your muscle. This hamstring muscle has the most intricate circuitry from nerves because your brain, your cerebellum, brain stem actually are able to fire the electricity to the top half of the muscle to extend your hip to stand up from a seated position, but also to shut off the electrical supply and shut down the lower half of the same muscle. Not a different muscle. The same muscle turns on switch and off switch for the top half versus the lower half in the same muscle. It's a miracle. And the secret is it's diagonal wrapping around the back of the femur bone, the thigh bone. Because anytime you mention diagonal, you're talking about rotation. Right? You want a bottle of Corona? Old school, you take a bottle opener, you snap off the top of the bottle cap. But they make twist-offs. You don't need a bottle opener. What's the twist-off? It has diagonal threads. You rotate. That's how you can take the bottle cap off. That's a clapper vision for you. You say the word diagonal, you need rotation. And so the very fact that this muscle belly, and it's a big muscle belly, one of the biggest in the body, diagonally wraps around the back of your thigh, that's what allows you to rotate. Matt Kemp, Yasiel Puig, they suffered from hamstring injuries. They're big power hitters. Well, Anthony Davis doesn't just jump straight up and down. He's got to rotate. And you mentioned rotation. Ah, you're now dealing with a hamstring. So he ain't playing against the Knicks today. And that is a tough one. And I will tell you, the older a player gets, the more trouble they're going to have coming back 
from these nagging issues of the hamstring. So Anthony Davis better shut it down until it's zero issues because what will happen, particularly in an older player, is you will hurt something else as you overcompensate. It's like pediatrics. It's a different specialty than treating adults. Not only are the growth plates still working in kids, but the elasticity of muscle is different in young players versus it is in older ones. And you better be aware of that as the orthopedic surgeon taking care of these players. Coming up next, I want to talk about the rotator cuff. Because I did surgery this week on someone who had no rotator cuff to even fix. Well, how the hell am I going to fix somebody with no rotator cuff? They can't lift their arm anymore. They can't use it anymore. Understanding what that deep muscle in your shoulder does leads to the answer of actually how I can do a surgery to give your arm use again. It's fascinating. I'll explain. And I'll also talk about what I learned from my teacher, Frank Job, who invented the Tommy John surgery. He did an unbelievable study which taught us all about what the rotator cuff does when you throw a baseball. When exactly does it fire? And what he found was absolutely shocking, not what we expected. I'll explain. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Talking about ice in art, in sports, and in my world of surgery. Lines are all lit up. Will, who you want to take first? Let's go to Debbie in Long Beach. You're first in line. Good morning, and thanks for joining us. How can I help you, young lady? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. I'm calling you about my shoulder. I had shoulder surgery less than a... Well, it's been a little over a year, but I had a torn bicep, torn labrum, and a torn rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. And they repaired it, and now it's torn again. Mm. And I, uh, I'd bet a lot right now, Will, that knee. this guy's name is not Debbie. Yeah, it's Debbie. Yeah, my you, name is Debbie. Your you name is my Debbie. Knee. Yeah, you did my knee. Really? Your name is Debbie. I do you. I bring you cookies. Oh, my God. Your name is Debbie. I love that. God bless you. All right. So, I, what I about your rotator you cuff? So, what happened with, uh, I didn't do your shoulder surgery, did I? No, you did my That's knee. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good. All right. Uh, this is what's going to need to take place, Debbie. You're going to need a new MRI to see what became of your rotator cuff, your labrum, uh -huh. and your biceps tendon. Because nobody has x-ray vision. I may have clapper vision, but nobody has x-ray vision. So do not let them talk you into dye injected to take the test. I think it's painful and unnecessary. You can see whatever you need to see with a regular MRI. An x-ray won't be enough. And if you want, get the MRI done and you'll call and I will translate it with some clapper vision if you want. That's what your next step I'll just, is. I'll just make an appointment with you and bring you some cookies. <laughs> All right. I'll bring you some cookies. All right. Well, I love the barter system. That would be just fine. <laughs> you, that, now, now do you know who I am? I know who you are. I remember now. <laughs> All right, young man. I appreciate uh, it, and I'll be happy to help you. Okay. Okay, I'll bring. I'll make an appointment on Monday. All right. Tell Arnie I said okay. All right. That's All right, uh, that's hilarious. All right. Who we got next? Will. All right, Andy. You're up next. You're on with Doctor Clapper. How can I help? Hey, Doctor Clapper. I love your show. I was wake up early Saturday mornings, and uh, uh, first time, long time. Thank you. Uh, How young are you? What do you do for uh, a living? I'm 42 years old. I am a high school math teacher. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. I got to ask you a question then. Of all the things sure. you teach in math, what is it that you find just the coolest? Is it the law of nines? What is it in math that you just love the most? Uh, you know, I'm a big, uh, you know, I'm a big sports fan, and I love uh, statistics, uh, mm. probability and statistics. Probably is my specialty. So, do you, do you know what you the know, Bayesian theorem who, is? 
You know the Bayesian theorem? Yes, I do. I do know the Bayes theorem. I do. What do you um, think of the Bayes yeah. theorem? Do you like it? Do you think it's I nonsense? Think, I uh, I think a lot of probability is uh, very logical. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day... Um, it's still 50-50. It's, it's, everything's 50-50. Either it's going to happen or, you know... Let me just tell happen, the audience so. what the Bayes theorem is. The Bayes theorem is he <laughs> came up with this idea that if you flip a coin and it keeps turning up heads... 20 times in a row, something's the matter with that coin. The 21st time is not going to be 50-50 heads or tails. It's going to be heads again because every time it's heads. That's the Bayes theorem. And when I learned that, because I'm not like you, I'm not a math person, I'm not a statistics person, when I'm going, oh, my God, I love this guy. <laughs> he's right. And maybe it isn't 50-50, but actually he's wrong. <laughs> every time you flip a coin, it is 50-50. That's amazing. That's right. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to high school? Uh, I grew up in L.A. I uh, went to Fairfax High. Wow. I've been here uh, my whole life. So, yeah. So when you used to eat at Fairfax, where did you you go to Cantor's? Did you go to uh, Genghis Cone? Where did you eat around the campus? Uh, Yeah, you know, after school, we'd always go to uh, Cantor's. um, And there was a a pizza place across the street. Used to love. Wow. Called, like, Fat Tomato. (laughs) Um, And then there was a. I think it was called Tomato Pie. I think it was called tomato, tomato pie. pie. And then it was a bagel, bagel broker. Was yeah. it bagel broker? Yeah. On, uh, on uh, Fairfax, yeah. yeah. Fairfax and Beverly. That was, that was a good. So I used to always uh, get bagels there. So That's yeah. fantastic. All right, what'd so, you do to yourself? How can I help you? Uh, you know what? I had a, I got a chronically torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, I tore it uh, when I was about 31. I was playing flag football. And uh, I tore it, but I never got surgery for it. And um, you should fix it. Never really, never really. Uh, it just kind of peeled on itself. I just kept on running, <laughs> stretched. Does it buckle on you? Five year, well, about five years ago, I was playing basketball and it buckled. Yeah. All right. Um, and then I still actually did not get the surgery. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And then about. Three years ago, I was on a ladder, and I just stepped off the ladder, and it buckled. And I was like, okay, it's time to um, it's probably time to get an MRI and see what's up. So I um, said I had a chronically torn ACL, and I had a, uh, had a meniscus that needed to be repaired as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I went in for the surgery in uh, about June 2020. So this was right during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good timing too, because, you know, I'm a teacher and there was like nothing to do. So I just wasn't bad. Did you use your own patella tendon? Did you use a cadaver or hamstring? What did you use? Uh, yes. Uh, use a cadaver, uh, a graft. So I would have yelled at you. I would have told you not to do that, but that's okay. So that was always my thing. I was like, so when I went into, um, when I went for the pre-op and I was talking to the orthopedic, um, I first talked to the resident, mm-hmm. and he said, uh, we are going to uh, use uh, part of uh, your uh, attendant from your own body. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, okay, cool. And then the actual orthopedic came in. Uh, his name is Dr. Christopher Jones, and mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's a Lakers doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, yeah, we're going to uh, use a, a graft. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, well, you guys are the doctors. You guys do what is, like, I don't know anything about it. You guys do what's best. Mm-hmm. So... It's been about now. It's uh, you know, February 2022. Um, I started, and I've been. I was pretty diligent with my rehab, and um, going to physical therapy twice a week for like a year. Um, and now I've been able to run. I, I can run now again, which is great. There was a time when I couldn't even like like walk. I couldn't, couldn't even do a jog. So I'm just happy that I could like run again. But um, you know, as a teacher, I'm on my feet all day, right? Mm. And I come home, and it is just this just throbbing pain in the back of my knee. That's terrible. And it just, like, I can't, I feel like I can't get it, I can't get it to go away. I feel All like right, I'm I like want you to do me a favor. I want you to do me a favor, because sure. we, we're going to run out of time, and I don't want to leave you hanging. Number one, don't let them sure. inject cortisone or PRP or any stem cell. Don't let them stick a needle in your knee, please. Number okay. two. Okay. You're going to, I'm a New Yorker. I'm not a sweetheart like you from Fairfax High School. You're going to be a New Yorker right now. You're going to go tell okay, them that. that you want a new MRI to see what's up with your knee. And then you're going to make okay. time on a Saturday, and you're going to call, and I will translate your MRI 
for you, and I'll explain everything of what you should do next. There's a book I wrote with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. You should get a copy. It'll explain everything okay. as a math teacher you need to know about how your knee works. That'll educate you. Okay. You get the MRI. You don't need dye injected, just a regular MRI. And God bless you. The greatest thing you can do in life. Nursing, number two. Number one is a teacher. If, it, if I can't help you, I feel like I had a bad day. Being a doctor is maybe Thank seven you. on the list. You're special, and it'll be really my honor and pleasure to help you. So get a new MRI, you, then Robert. you call back, and I will help you get to the right spot. All right? I will do. Thank you, Dr. Crawford. Now, listen, you're a total stranger. I never met you. I'm doing this for you. I need you today to find a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Absolutely. We'll right. do that. God I'll bless you. Forward, Dr. All right. My pleasure to help you. God no problem. You All right. We squeeze okay. one more in. Lines are lit up. Who do we got? All right. Sergio, I only got a minute or two. Good hey. to talk to you. How young are you? What do you do for a living? Hey. I'm 37. I'm a union worker at the Port of Long Beach. All right. I love it. Listen, did anybody ever tell and, you when uh, your rusty nail goes in your hand, you should pee on your hand? Did anybody ever tell you that? <laughs> I've never heard of that, but I'm not going to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> my father worked on the docks, and he told me, whenever I get a rusty nail in my hand, I should pee on my hand. I'm going, I'm a doctor now. I, like, I have no idea why my father would tell me that. So... What's your sport? What'd you do to yourself? Uh, I'm a all-time athlete. Basically, I played a lot of football, basketball, ran track, baseball. You name it, I did it. Um, but the injuries came with playing football. Uh, so I got a torn ACL, MCL. Uh, I got meniscus tears, and how long ago I, was the injury? Um, at least. 10 years. Oh. But, All right, Sergio. I want to add, Sergio. I, I did pretty much everything. I don't want to give you the bum's rush because I'm running out of time. I want you to do me a favor, Sergio. You listen to the show. You know what Clapper Vision is? Yes. I want you to do me a favor. No matter who calls me next week, Will is going to put you at the front of the line. You call at 730 next week if you have time. You'll have your MRI in front uh -huh. of you. And I will take you through what to do. All right? How's that? Well, my my other question was, uh, I have cartilage tear. I and I to, was wondering right. if I could replace that. Yes. I need to explain all this stuff to you. If you've got time next week, I don't want to give you the bum's rush right now. I need to sit down. You'll right. tell me what your injuries are, and I'll give you the courtesy of some time to explain it. Th that's what I think is fairest. Okay. No, that's perfect. Talk to you next week, Sergio. Thanks you so much for calling. And next Thank you, week, Dr. Blacker. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. I look forward to talking to you. All right, Warriors, I'm running out of time. Next week, I got a very special show. My high school classmate. I haven't spoken to him in 50 years. I called him. He's a dentist. Oh, my God. His name is Alan Moore, Dr. Alan Moore. We're going to talk about dentists. The first surf photographer, a dentist, Doc Ball. The first guy to drive the Corvette Stingray, Dr. 